0: Eddie Jones wants what he wants. He he wants mo- he wants monsters. He wants basically Andre the Giant, eight of those in his pack. Hulk Hogan at number nine, and all that's what he wants. If he wants that, let him go and do something else. Welcome
1: back to a Rugby Wisdom podcast. I am absolutely delighted to have David Campese on the show with me. He is known as one of the most iconic rugby players in the world with his flair, his skill level in his ability to unlock defences, As ever, Campo is at his absolute best in this. He is engaging, funny, and insightful. So I hope you enjoy the show. And before we jump into the show, this is a great time to remind you that WorldRugbyShop.com has all the official merchandise for the Six Nations teams. They also have the largest selection of official All Blacks gear in the United States. So make sure you visit worldrubberyshop.com and wear your team's colours with pride. David, thanks for joining me on the podcast.
0: Mate, uh, you're welcome.
1: So where in the world are you right now?
0: Um, actually in beautiful Sydney. Um, it's been uh, very interesting uh, times as I suppose uh, you guys in America found out as well. It's a uh, bit of a lockdown, but we, we've been very lucky. We've, because we're in Ireland, we uh, close the borders pretty quick, but probably not quick enough. And, uh, yeah, a lot of the kids have been playing sports. Uh, we're just changing seasons from uh, rugby into cricket, so...
1: Well, what does, a, what does a typical day look for you right now, then?
0: Uh, well, obviously, take the kids to school in the morning, uh, probably go to the gym. Um, I lost my job with Rugby Australia in uh, August, so it's been pretty quiet. Uh, I have done a few um, individual coaching. I do, I'm mentoring a couple of players as well who play first grade, so... I've got a session this afternoon actually so final time on Saturday so rugby season's almost come to an end but uh yeah look it's there's always something happening uh, my wife's got a little business I help her in as well so I'm basically the uh the driver who delivers a lot of things and um yeah look it's my it's never it's never boring put it that way
1: probably one of the most recognized drivers out there David but uh, uh, yeah hey, exactly. hey look yeah, so recently I was reading in The Telegraph about Eddie Jones talking about rugby being in a power phase right now and you and you listened to Ian Foster talking about picking the All Blacks on physicality and even the, with their directness of their game plan, particularly in that second test, uh, just went against Australia. What's, what's your thoughts on the state of the game right now?
0: Yeah, it's quite interesting that you've got coaches who are determined how the game should be played. You know, rugby was a very skilled. It was actually a player for all sizes, all heights, all weights. Um, you know, Eddie Jones is, is he's obsessed with massive Islander guys um, who just want to run over people. So I, I don't understand where coaches are the ones who are determined what people want to see. You know, people in rugby uh, around the world. You know, if you lived, we lived in South Africa. Uh, you talk to. Um, People live in America, I've been to Hong Kong, I've been everywhere. People want to see a great game of rugby. They don't want to see six foot five wingers just motoring over people. They want to see the young Corbys from the World Cup last year from South Africa, who beat England in the final and the littlest guy scored the tries. So that's what people want. You know, we had guys like Shane Williams. We have guys like that. We've got Sevens. If you look at Sevens now, a lot of the guys are all huge. You know, when it's supposed to be about uh, petite little guys running around, having you know, play in step in. And these coaches are the ones who are destroying the game because you know, Eddie Jones is obsessed. I don't know why. You know, he he brought these 17 phases in when he was coaching and he did this and he did that. And now he's telling everybody, well, we've got to change the way we play. I mean, I don't I don't understand. Now Foster's only been in there for two test matches and you know there's a code there's a book called uh, legacy by the all blacks about their history and culture and uh we saw something in the first test which i've never seen in my life playing uh played 29 times an all black diving over and dropping the ball over the line mm. that never used to happen you know yes he's picking these guys but you know the, there's a reason why the all Blacks are the all blacks because they used to beat everybody and they would do the simple things right um i think there's a lot of pressure you know the I International Rugby Board have got to realise as well that you know there's countries out there can you feel sorry for the Asians? The Asians will never get into international rugby because firstly they're not big enough. Uh, secondly, there's no resources, you know, and the physicality they they wouldn't last. So you're really cutting out in a lot of cu- countries. If Eddie Jones wants what he wants, he he wants my mo- he wants monsters. He wants basically Andre the Giants, eight of those in his pack. Hulk Hogan at number nine, and well, that's what he wants. If he wants that, let him go and do something else. But, you know, it's sad when you see because it's a it's a bash fest. It's not about skill. Mm-hmm. It's a bash fest, and that's why we need little guys, and that's why we need uh, coaches to go out there and coach um, guys to play. One of the biggest concerns I think that Eddie doesn't realize is that if you have a look at all the schools around the world in major rugby countries, a lot of schools, especially in Australia, now, are not playing rugby. In New mm-hmm. Zealand, there's an article, they're losing all the players as well. So, <clears throat> yes, he wants it up there, but realistically, who's yeah. going to play? And where are you going to get the players from?
1: Yeah, and mm-hmm. look, there's a, obviously Finn Russell right now is polarising opinion, opinion, particularly in the North. Uh, One day he's brilliant, one day he's the worst player ever. He's a Lions captain, then he's never been picked again. And these are the players who who really unlock defences with how they and pretty, pretty steel wall defenses right now. They they unlock defenses with their skill set, with their yeah. flair, but with, with their vision, and it's a trained skill. Now, what's your thoughts on Finn, and and also how how can coaches like myself go out there and cultivate that, cultivate those players?
0: Look, it's very difficult because uh, you had Danny Cipriani from England, a fantastic player. Mm. But problem is, coaches hate flair players because they can't control them. <clears throat> That's why part excuse me, part of players like me, I was on the wing. I was the last person to get the ball. And they try to compare me with Quade Cooper, who used to get the ball all the time. Players need, we need unpredictable players. We need something to be different. And when you are different, people shoot you down. Mm-hmm. Um and that's because the coaches want control. It's a bit bit like watching American football. You've got the coach there, you got the play. They do the play. And you see the quarterback, if the guy's not in the right position, he doesn't know what to do or he runs it up himself. Where in rugby, you've got options. You've got to give the player, the flair player options. What happens is we had a guy called Quay Cooper. We had Courtney Beal as well. And those guys struggle in Australia because all the education of rugby is, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. Instead of saying, well, if there's a gap over there, why do you want me to run here? Because that's the move. Right. You know, instead yeah. of saying, no, not really. It's like you coach and say, guys, that's really good what you did, but there's other ways to try I want you to try and find another way of doing it. Yeah. You know, when you tell a kid, I don't want you to do that again, you've lost him.
1: Worst word in that's the world. The world. That's yeah. the worst
0: thing in coaches is that's what you do. You've got to encourage guys. Yes, they're going to make mistakes, but so what? <laughs> yeah. If you no. the best possible players, you've got to allow these kids to play. And I think that's what's happened in American football, rugby over years, because you your younger players don't start until, what, 14, 15? Yes. Maybe older.
1: Yeah, I would say older, David, like you're, and that's a really great point. When they first came to, when I first came to Yale, and actually a lot of my players are what they call crossover athletes over here. So you've got basketball, you've got, they call it soccer, you've also got, you've got football, but... It was interesting watching these players just naturally play the game, particularly the basketballers. Like yeah. they're doing passes over the head and all yeah. this and that. And I actually had to retrain my mind and go, this is actually really a positive as opposed to my old English mindset going, no, you pass the ball, you got your hand here, you got a high elbow and you do this. And it was like, why am I coaching them the skills that they bring to this game out of them? And that was an awesome reflection point for me. And we haven't looked back.
0: Yeah. I also think that you've got to say to the guys, listen, that's a really good pass. Mm-hmm. But remember, if that goes to the ground, the opposition score, you know, yeah. if, so this is how you pass. Look, I don't mind you doing that, but it's got to be not a 50-50 pass. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a 95% pass. Yeah. You
1: know?
0: yeah. And the other thing is I've always used, you know, I went to Italy back in the 80s um, after the Grand Slam 84. And uh, that Christmas in Italy... The play said, Davide, that's my name, Italian. You want want to go skiing? I've never skied in my life." So they took me to the mountains, Cortina, which is up north Italy. uh, Took me to the top of the mountain, gave me a five-minute lesson, said, "Ciao," (laughs) and I'm looking down this mountain, going, "Oh, right." So I, mate, I just flew down 100 miles an hour. And then I I kept on learning. And then one day I was skiing, and I saw this little three-year-old just go, because kids, they're not scared. Mm -hmm. They're not scared, but the older they get, you get scared because, oh, I better not fall over, I might hurt myself. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. The younger you get hold of them, the younger you allow them to do things, the more they're going to learn. If you keep them in a box for too long and then you outleash them, they're going to struggle big time. Yeah. And that's where in Australian rugby has been the same. You know, we, we haven't allowed these guys to come out because coaches want to win for their school instead of actually coaching for the future, you know. And in yeah. our private schools, we're losing a lot of players to rugby league and all that because um, the skill set's difference. You know, we, we struggle big time. And that's why there's so much pressure on the Wallabies because they're the national team and if they win things start to appeal again. But it's like that movie, you know, that, uh Kevin Costner. If you, you build it, they will come.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Australia, you know, if you play exciting rugby, people will come and watch. If you entertain them, they'll come. If you don't, they won't go. You can always watch something else in Australia. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's a very tough uh, industry. And it's very sad that Eddie Jones and all that come out and say things that they're looking for power. What are they trying to do? Go and play American football if they want power. Yeah. You know, well, a there, yeah. game. it's a very unique game and these coaches are the ones who want to pick the world's biggest guys so what's going to happen to the little guy like uh colby he's mm-hmm. what five foot, probably 10 11 same as me yeah. what happens to us little guys No, nah, out you go not good enough now now
1: so that's so obviously your your this is a massive passionate subject of yours which i love and it comes across you've also got your own academy right yeah. So can you tell us more about that and what what that looks like and what you're trying to encourage within your players and also the people, just the whole environment you work with?
0: Well, I, my it's quite interesting because when I turn up, people go, "Oh no, here we go," you know, he's going to run the ball from the dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but believe it or not, I I do the simple basics. Right. That's all I do because if you can't do that, you can't do the hard stuff. All these young kids see all these fancy passes. They want to do that. I say, guys, if you can't do the simple things, you cannot do that under pressure. Mm. So my academy is about coaching the coaches. So, right, simple catch and pass. Forget the spiral pass. It's harder to pass. And when you do a spiral pass in rugby now, you notice you cannot run up within about a metre of someone to pass a spiral. You've Mm -hmm. got to do about three or four metres away. So, therefore, the opposition's defence just drifts across the field because you're not actually attracting. So, if I want to run at you at 100 miles an hour and do a lateral pass, I can run up about that far. Mm-hmm. If I want to spiral the pass, I've got to run about three or four meters away because you've got to catch it, cock it, and line it up. Yeah. Where a lateral pass, you go bang straight away. That's lost. That's very simple stuff. So when I do coach, uh, which I've coached around the world, um, is simple, basic skills. The more you can do that, the more you practice, the better you get. Then you can start trying a few different things. But unfortunately, they don't do that because, as I said, you go on Instagram, you see all these experts who are doing the spiral passes, look really good. I said, you know, it looks really good, uh, but even that, uh, the wallaby coach, uh, the skills coach, he used to do this pass and do this sort of pass. And I said, mate, in a rugby game, you've got movements. Mm-hmm. You can't stand there, stop and do that. You've got to run and pass. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it looks good. And everyone's doing the same. But in a game of rugby, it doesn't really fit in. And that's what I try and teach. Um, if, you, if you want to, it's uh, I've got a, a YouTube channel, David Camp Easy Coaching. Coaching. Yeah. I've got all my little skills there. They're very simple. Two on one, three on two. Just very, very simple things. But if you can master that over and over again, then you can start trying different things. I try and coach the coaches first because they're the ones who pass on the knowledge and they're the ones I leave to go home, I leave them. So if they can, if I teach them wrong, they're going to teach the kids wrong.
1: No, that's, that's a great point. I was going to ask you like, yeah, if you've got any wisdom that you can share, one with coaches and secondly with players, because players listen to this as well, like, who are feel like they've been closed in by a structure or framework or shape. Like what advice, you've already mentioned the coaches, what advice would you give to the players out there who, who are sitting there going, look, I want to express myself, but I understand I've got to do the, the basics?
0: Well, I think the more the most important thing is a training is you do, there's probably seven or eight basic skills you try and do every session because it's just a recap, you know? Um, and then what you do is you do a lot of contact opposition at training because in a game you're up against a team what a lot of teams do they go training but train against nobody and yeah. i don't know if you've watched this you know all of a sudden the opposition there guys go oh we better stand a couple of meters back now which means you run further backwards to go forward yeah but that's what they all do because yeah. oh no no oh there's defense there because that training you normally have nobody yeah so the more training you've got like game related stuff you say okay uh, why did you do that Well, I saw the gap. I said, well, okay, but next time, the guy on the outside, this is one of the biggest other problems in the game, is the communication factor is very poor. Because Mm -hmm. coaches said, this is what I want you to do, everybody knows their role. Yeah, Uh, It was about uh, probably three or four years ago in South Africa, uh, the England Saxton team, which is their second (laughs) team in South Africa, and Richard Hill, who played the World Cup 2003, I knew Richard, Danny Cipriani was playing. I knew Danny. So I said, you know, can I come and watch them train? For an hour and a half, they trained themselves. They knew exactly every position they had to be in for every move. It was just like watching, uh, turning on the video, over, turn it off, come back, same thing. They knew exactly what to do. So all of a sudden, if there's no defense there, they're still going to do the move because that's all they're told to do. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Guscott, I think it was, said um, he was teaching a young guy at Bath a couple of years ago who was playing for England. And he said, Mate, you know, if there's an opportunity there, if there's a gap there, and you're told to do a move here, what would you do? He said, "Um, Well, if I took the gap and I lost the ball, I'd be in trouble. So I'll just do what I'm told to do. Mm -hmm. Because that's what coaches want. Coaches sit in the box Mm -hmm. on a walkie talkie. You know, why, to me, Coaches, if you think about the 80s when we played, I'll get in trouble for that. Coaches were not allowed on the oval in test matches. Coaches, there'd the be a letter, come down. The players used to sort the problems. Now mm-hmm. they go into a classroom, they sit down, there's a whiteboard and the coaches say, this is what we've got to do. What are they learning? Mm. Why don't you come in and say, guys, right, tell me, what's happening to scrum? What's happening? Well, fix it. How are you going to fix it? Otherwise, they're not going to learn a thing. Yeah. Yeah, like that's professionalism that's just... changed attitudes. You know, yes, they're getting paid, everyone's getting paid, but you've got to be the best possible player. And I'm helping the young guy at the moment um, who was an unbelievable talent, came out of rugby, went to league, came back um, six months ago, couldn't kick left foot at all, kicks left foot perfectly because to me, every play in the back line, if you're a 10 or 15, if you can kick right and left foot, you're going to, your skill factor is amazing. Yeah. And he's playing club rugby, but he gets no feedback. He gets the negative feedback. No, <laughs> I'm yeah, playing,
1: well, this is what you can't do, or this is
0: yeah. Well, if yeah. that 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 happened to me um years ago, you know, if I'd come in if so, mate, you missed a tackle, I'd be I'd be in a, a loony asylum. You know, instead of going, mate, great. You never talked about the negatives, you talked about the positives. Yes, you might have missed a tackle, you mate, I made a mistake, it was my fault. But yeah. next time you don't miss, you know, but for coaches to always pick at the negative things yeah um it's not really good for the game of rugby or any or any person's um um what you call confidence
1: yeah no absolutely and one of the biggest things i've enjoyed and also importantly what i've seen my players enjoy here at yale is like we most of our sessions now are what you would call games-based or games-based training so obviously we have a focus area like we're trying to achieve how mm-hmm. do we get the ball here and to least amount of time or whatever scenario we decide to put in place or so we're four points down we're on a game clock we've got three minutes left what do we do i tell you what the whole session lifts up it's because there's competition you're playing the game and i found particularly with me dealing with newer players it actually expedites their learning as well because they're learning through the game as opposed to here's a drill it looks nice it looks fluffy we all look good and, <laughs> and as you mentioned earlier as soon as you come against opposition, it goes, it goes to a shop. So kind of coaching through games, I found personally been a really a valuable it's, it's made me a better coach and it's made us a better team.
0: No, definitely. I mean, that the, the thing is important is that, you know, coaches and i keep on saying coaches when I coach them, look, I don't care how you coach, you can coach the way you want to coach. Cause not everyone thinks the same, mm-hmm. but as long as the kids, the guys have got the skills, to yep. play that style of rugby, great. But you can't play a style of rugby if you haven't given the people the skills to play that style. Because mm. you're gonna get frustrated, the players are gonna get frustrated, or sometimes someone might do something different and you're gonna say, what do that for? So, well, mate, I just, there was an opportunity and I took it. So that's great for trying. But coaches mm. don't do that because we saw the, the all-black player, I he dropped the ball over the line, he got drops. Yep. You know, as I said, I've never seen that in my life, and all black do that, you know, and that's what I mean. That that's gay. it's interesting. That try, no try, gave the conf- confidence to the wallabies, thinking yeah, yeah. it should have been 15-3 at half time, but it was eight-three. Mm-hmm. Big difference, you know. So oh, one yeah. little mistake can make a big difference. No, look, it was
1: uh, yeah, really some really fascinating points now. It's probably a big question, but if you had a a crystal ball um, or a magic wand, one of the two, where do you see rugby going? Can the game swing back towards an attack focus, a creativity focus, or are we going to be in the status quo for a while? What's your kind of
0: vision around that? Uh, Look, It's difficult because it depends on the powers that be who runs the game. And normally it's the coaches who are the ones who are like, Eddie's been around for years and years and still hasn't won a World Cup. You know, there's another 57 teams if he wants to go and coach. But I'm just saying that you can't keep on picking the biggest guys in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's all they seem to do. And coaches, yes, it's about success. Um, Foster's under a lot of pressure because I believe a lot of New Zealanders didn't like him as the coach. You know, there's reports about that. You know, there's a report in the paper about um, in New Zealand, there's a lot of people not playing rugby as well. There was an article just released. I think it's called, I stuffed It's called the, the paper over there. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't read about all that information, you can see that the game's changing. Even when the All Blacks, that's rugby, that's their main main sport. Everyone knows New Zealand because the All Blacks. So if that starts to dwindle a bit, you know, and all these other countries like America, America's, been hasn't been given enough money over the years um, to progress in their rugby. Obviously, you've got American football, you've got baseball and basketball who are going to be, don't want you there because it's a very exciting sport, especially sevens. Yeah. Uh, so I just think it, it's sometimes it's the coaches, mm-hmm. but they choose coaches. Like we've got Dave Rennie, who's the first um, um, Islander, I think it is, to coach an international team. So he's he's had to go overseas and he's an all he's an all black who play who coached the Chiefs, but he didn't get the job over there. Hmm. You know, so if you look at world rugby, you probably find there's about eight or nine coaches from New Zealand. They sort of play the same style that they want to play. Yeah. France uh played a style of rugby, they used to run the ball from underneath their goalposts. Mm-hmm. The Italians are the Italians. You know, the Welsh used to fly the ball around, but under Gatlin, they played a New Zealand style of rugby. Yeah. What you call, you know, so every country is unique by what you've talent you've got. If you've got guys who can run nine seconds for 100 metres, you're not going to sit them on the wing and knock them the ball, are you? Mm-hmm. You've got to find a way to get to them quick with space. So that means the whole back line's got to have beautiful skills. Mm-hmm. So the ball's in front, not the ball going back here. So there's little things that you want to play, but the players haven't got the skills, you will never play that. Even though that's your idea about coaching, You've got to give the players the skills, mm. the line-out. All you've got to do in the line-out is catch the ball. You can run around, dance, do this, and that, just catch it. Mm-hmm. That's the job you want. But now everyone's trying to be so fancy. And the amount of times now that line-out throws or the, they drop the ball in the line-out or it's not straight. Yeah. It's bizarre, you know, but that's a little part of the game that you, you should do well. And if you can't do that, how are you going to do the hard stuff?
1: Yeah, and it's interesting as well, like, not always trying to mimic as a coach not always trying to mimic what you see at the very top end because more often than not it's not necessarily applicable and then yeah if you could apply to what your team's strengths are and work with those i think we're you're going to be in a in a good place now just just before i, I let you go there's an interesting tournament developing over here or actually in bermuda the tens um, and yeah. you're, I know you'll be familiar with the Hong Kong Tens which is a huge tournament which I was lucky enough to to work yeah. there for for many a year but um what's your where's what your thoughts on first of all tens as a format and sevens because i hear you talk about excitement and get, engaging the audience now do those games have a
0: have a place in in world rugby yeah well it used to i think the 10s back in the day was the, the fat belly pigs um i think from malaysia <laughs> um <laughs> They were older guys and it was more about the fun aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, rugby, you know, I played uh, my first year in 1979, I played fourth grade. And I was playing with like 38-year-old, 40-year-old guys who have been to the top, have come back and just want to have a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my best year of my rugby my life because if you did something right or wrong, they'd be talking to you, do this next time, great, you know, look for that. So oh, that was an education into rugby. Um now you go to the tens, and they're all young guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about the fun fact; it's all gone professional. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you can do it, where you've got to have props, proper players instead of just getting all these young guys and off you go. I think it's going to be beneficial because then all of a sudden you can get big guys, small guys, fat guys, tall guys, whatever playing. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you want to do the world's tens, which is like you know, 10 young guys, you know, just to go over to win instead of actually having the, the fun part of it and all that, which obviously is part of it. Yep. You know, you're looking at a different thing. Sevens uh, in our day was test players playing sevens. You know, we're all test players. The world would come and watch Serge Blanco play. Um, yeah. Mark Eller, Michael Liner, Tim Horan, Jonah Lomu, Christian wow. Cullen, yeah. all those yeah. players. Now you go there, no one knows who they are. hmm Cause they're not test players, they're guys who come up through the system. And, you know, you go there every year and you see an Australian support and said, oh, well, do you know any of the players? No, I'm just here supporting Australia. So we've lost that, that connection. Uh, the 10s, look, it's a great idea, um, but yeah, look, I just think the more opportunity to play rugby in different sports, it's all different levels, a 10s, sevens or 15s, mate, it just promotes the game, you know, around the world. Now last question.
1: All right. So you talked about Hong Kong sevens. Have you been in the South stand? Can you remember it? Any good stories?
0: Yes, I can remember the South stands. Uh, yes. Never been in it. Uh, last couple of years, uh, I've walked around underneath it, but I tell you what it's like, it's disgusting. Um, but there's not too many sober women and men there for that time. Uh, there was a guy called Mark Andrews, who was a Springbok block. <laughs> It would have been about two, three years ago. And um, this is when I was living in South Africa. And um, I saw him there at the tournament. Anyway, I was probably about three or four weeks later. I said, "Um, mate, how was Hong Kong? How was the Sevens? He said, mate, he said, unbelievable. I said, on that Sunday, he said, I went to the South Stand. I didn't watch one game of rugby. He said, I don't even know who won the tournament. (laughs) That's why you go to the South Stand. You go there just to party, to dress up and have a great time. And no one remembers a thing. Oh, yeah. uh, that's why I would never go there.
1: Yeah. I could talk from experience that um, I've seen it from the outside and I've kind of remember it from the inside, but um, yeah, what a it's uh, one of the great spectacles of uh, rugby really. But look, David, really appreciate your time today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with me of and the course. listeners. And uh, yeah, we look forward to, to hearing your commentary on the, on the future of the game and, because you've, uh, you've always got an awesome point to, to share. Mate, if you need any help, call me over. I'd
0: love to come over and teach you guys a, a few things about the game.
1: I think I would like to see David Campezi at Yale University as well. Let's we'll make that yeah. happen.
0: Definitely, love to.
1: So there you are. What a great, great show with David Campese. Never shy to share his opinion. His passion comes across. Real fun interview. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Wisdom Podcast. If you want to catch up on previous episodes and all my analysis work, visit www.thecontactcoach.com.